So my name's Patrick. Uh, if you haven't met me, we don't know each other. One of the members here, and um, glad to be with you. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter three today. If you want to get that queued up, it, it should be up here. But if you brought your your Bible or you want to get your device on there, uh, live stream. I know there's people outside. Glad you guys are all with us too. So uh, we're going to jump in here, Philippians chapter three. And we're just going to do the first 16 verses of it. So I will read it out loud now if you want to follow along. And then uh, after we've just heard it out loud, we'll stop and pray again and ask the Lord for his help. All right. So here we go. Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Of course, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let's pray. Lord, we're here for you. We thank you that you're here for us. We're just a group of Christians walking together, struggling together, worshiping together, and asking you together if you will please teach us today. By your Holy Spirit, working through your powerful word, full of truth, would you please speak to us? Would you please open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, our eyes to understand Nothing new, Lord. Nothing new. We want you. 
we want more of you. And we realize this morning, Lord, that it's not you who's the problem if we lack anything. We need your help. So please, Lord, anything, whatever it is that you would have us know, that you would have us believe, you'd have us grow in and walk in and be obedient to and enjoy this morning from yourself, Lord, please give it to us. Give it all to us. We want it. We ask for this, trusting in, believing in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Philippians chapter 3, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and he loved them so much. And when you read the letter and you get familiar with the letter, you, you know what I mean. He just pours affection over them, and he knows that they had great affection for him. And so this letter can read a little, little bit differently than a lot of the others, uh, because it wasn't that Paul was writing this letter trying to address some kind of heresy or some kind of great sin issue like he did with a lot of the others. Like if you take the church in Corinth, for example, there was just this rampant immorality that they were just accepting and even celebrating. They had freedom to live this way, and he's addressing that and calling them to holiness. Or in the church in Galatia, they had this great heresy coming in through people uh, who, who said that Gentiles need to first become Jewish before they can become Christian, and that they had to not only believe in Jesus, but also observe the law in order to be saved. And this letter to the Galatians is trying to express, no, it's all Jesus all the time. This letter to Philippians addresses issues, addresses holiness, addresses the purity of the gospel and, and how it is that we're saved, even here in this passage. But there's something really particular that Paul is calling them and calling us, and I know the Lord through him, even today, is calling us to believe and to embrace and to enjoy. And so we're going to work through this passage and come to this point to see what it is. Um, spoiler alert, it's Jesus, okay? Uh, just in case anyone was on the edge of their seat wondering what the sermon was going to be about. So let's start at the top here. Philippians 3, the first verse, he says, Finally, my brothers or brothers and sisters, is also acceptable translation. Brothers and sisters, the family of Christ, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. This verse has just been bouncing around in my mind for years now, and especially someone who has been called by God to teach God's word to others in a setting like this, uh, you find yourself repeating the same things over and over again. And every once in a while, you might get into your flesh and become insecure and think like, I feel like this is getting boring. Like, I've been saying the same thing over and over again. Every page of the Bible you turn to, you're basically giving the same message. It's not real complicated. It's super deep, but it's not complicated. It's not hard to understand. And we as people often really want something new, something new. There's even, Paul goes to Athens, you know, and he's like, all they ever want to do is talk about something new. They just want to hear a new idea. But here we are, gathered together for the millionth Sunday in a row with nothing new to say. Which is great. It's good. That's a sign of health, that we're not giving into the temptation. 
But I, I just want to point out to you that the Apostle Paul, who had received revelation from the Lord, traveled the known world spreading what God had personally told him, a message for the world. He's saying, look, we're just going to say the same things over and over. There's nothing wrong. It's no trouble for me. It's safe for you to just keep swimming in the gospel every day, just being immersed in it, enjoying it, loving it, believing it, remembering it is good for us. We need it. So it's no surprise that right here, before he says what he says, he goes, look, I know you've heard this before, but I'm enjoying telling it to you again, and it's good for you to hear it. So what is it? What is it that we always hear that we need to keep on hearing? It's the gospel, the pure message of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. He says in verse 2, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, he's talking there about uh, Judaizers, people who, uh, Jewish people who, again, were telling Gentiles, no, you have to live like a Jew, convert to Judaism, and obey all the laws and traditions of the Jewish people, and then you can belong to Christ. But he says, verse 3, For we are the circumcision. Who's we? Who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Not in our ability to keep the law. Not in circumcision, no sign, no physical attribute that sets us apart from anyone else. The thing that sets us apart is that we worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in ourselves. That's what sets us apart. And anyone who teaches any differently, according to Paul, was a dog. A dog. An evildoer, a mutilator of the flesh. Really strong language. Verse 4. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. Uh, the reason why he's saying that, he's going to give us this list of advantages that naturally he had. He had them naturally. I myself have reasons for confidence in the flesh also, just like the Judaizers, just like those dogs. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now here comes the list of all his natural advantages. His leg up in the spiritual world, he thought. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee living in the strictest accordance with the law. In fact, going above and beyond the law, adding their own rules and traditions and laws to God's word. A Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, so full of passion for God that he was willing to hunt people down that he thought were enemies of God. As to righteousness under the law, blameless blameless. So here is this man 
with every reason to have confidence in himself, his position, his natural advantages, providing him access to God and favor with God. Here he is. If anyone had reason to stand before God proud of his accomplishments, it was Paul. Verse 7, though, starts with what word? But, but, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Now, we're about to enter into a section here where we understand what it is that we're called to by Paul to rejoice in and take confidence in. If it's not the flesh, what is it that we're to be reminded of and to, to actively be going after to remember and bathe ourselves in? What is it that Ephesians 5, Christ wants to wash us in every day of our lives? We're about to read it. Whatever gain I had, natural advantages, a leg up, special access to God that others don't have. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. Not just a wash, not breaking even, not back to zero, a loss. That the natural advantages he thought he had to give him special access to God based on his own uh, natural advantages, being a Jew, being of the tribe of Benjamin, speaking Hebrew, doing a good job. These things didn't just end up breaking even and, and put him back on a level playing field. He actually realized at a point that he was playing from a disadvantage. He was losing because of these things. I counted as loss for the sake of, say it with me please, Christ. For the sake of Christ. Now here he goes to expound on what he means by that. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish, as trash, in order that I may gain Christ. Now, I want to stop for a minute because I realize that as I stand here and as you sit there, we would have a different looking list of natural advantages, wouldn't we? Ways that we feel like we're advantaged. Ways that we feel like we might be privileged above others. Ways that we feel like maybe we live or we were born into that give us some special access to God or make God proud of us above others. Things that make us feel secure. God's pleased with me because of fill in the blank. Things that your flesh tells you. Things that the world tells you. I, I seriously doubt anyone in here is of the tribe of Benjamin. I don't, maybe. I mean, come to me afterwards. That'd be neat. I seriously doubt anybody in here has been 
would consider themselves blameless in respect to righteousness according to the law? I don't know how many of us waited eight days to be circumcised, guys. Some of this is stuff that's just like, because I was born into it, right? I was just born this way. God was pleased to bring me into the world this way, and then he was pleased to give me such a devoted adherence and conviction according to the law, and then I've been pleased to live according to what God has done, and so God's really proud of me. I mean, I, I don't think anyone in here would say that, but do you sometimes, like me, find yourself feeling secure at times because of how things are going? And then at other times feeling insecure before the Lord because of how things are going? You ever find yourself in that spot? Like if, you've, if you feel like you've been doing well and you're a little bit proud of yourself, you feel like it's easier to pray. You can come to God with confidence, not because you're covered in the righteousness of Christ, but because you feel a bit like you're bringing your own righteousness and God's real proud of you. And then when you know you've really fouled it up, you've sinned, your heart has just been dark and wicked, and I mean, just from the time you woke up, you just felt like, man, this is not my day. I just feel like garbage today. And you speak in a way to people that just hurts their feelings or something. And on that day, it's harder to come to God. You feel like he's embarrassed about you. He's bored with you. The same thing every day. How many times are you going to ask me forgiveness for that? Like his tank is drying up. You ever feel like that? When you feel that way, your, your list has been exposed. It's, it's probably not Hebrew of Hebrews. But when business is good and the kids are good and the grades are good, list exposed. If those things make you feel like God's more proud of you, loves you more, more pleased that he saved you and brought you into the family, you've got your list. And now what, what I want to bring to you this morning is an opportunity together to, to dwell on these things and meditate on these things, and just like Paul did, that in your heart, and it may take all day, I mean, I'm not saying this will all happen now, maybe by the power of God, or a short list, if you're, I don't know, that, that we would take time to really meditate on these things. What is my list? What what are these things that I believe I can stand more confidently before God and before others because of X, Y, and Z not named Jesus? Like my finances are good, I got a good education, I got a good job, I got a nice family, I'm likable. I don't, I don't know if there's anyone in here, I'm not joking, if there's anyone in here who really struggles with feeling like anyone likes them. And then there are those of us who feel more likable, and it feels like an advantage. Whatever it is your list is, I want you to consider this morning that it is garbage. 
That's it. It's, it's literally, according to God's word, trash. And it is a loss. It's in the loss column. Anything not named Jesus that you feel allows you to stand more confidently before God is trash and a loss. Now here comes the really fun part. Indeed, I count, sorry, verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, this is, this is critical for us. This is critical. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all that trash and count it all as trash in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. Now, listen to where Paul is pointing us all, where all of our hearts are yearning to be drawn to. The, the real goal of all of our life, whether you know it or not, the thing in your heart God has put there is this. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That all of my life would amount to this one thing. That all would be trash and all would be lost and I would abandon and repent of it all for this one thing. That I might just know him and the power of his resurrection. To know and believe that you are raised with Christ that you're seated with him in heavenly places, that he loves you, that he holds you, that he's glad he saved you, that his priestly tender heart is always pouring affection over you, that he loves you and that you know it because you know him and the power of his resurrection. This is life. And it is not found in any natural advantage. Not because of what family you're born into, not because of what color your skin is, not because of your ethnicity, not because of your nationality, not because of your upbringing, not because you were raised in church. Not because you're likable, not because you're well-spoken, not because you have a lot of money, not because you do a good job. Because of the grace of God in Christ. This is life. This is joy. This is what we rejoice over in the Lord. This is what we remember and remember and remember 
Because when we forget, we're sunk. Because when we forget this, when we forget the purity and the joy and the wonder of the gospel, we begin to start looking to natural advantages to find confidence to stand before God, and we're sunk. But if we always, only stand on Christ, there is no fear, there's no doubt, there's no loss, there's only gain. Because we have Jesus, because we know him and the power of his resurrection. And how is it, how is it that we live a life that allows us to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection? What kind of life is that? Well, first of all, it's a life of faith. We've seen this. It's a life of faith in Jesus and not in yourself. Amen? Thank you, Calvin. It's a life of faith in Christ. And a life of faith in Christ will end up working itself out in a certain way. Here's what it looks like. Verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. We know that all over the New Testament, we're called to this goal of becoming like Jesus. And we know that the Father's highest and most important priority is always to make us more like Jesus. And the more like Jesus we are, the more confident we are to walk in this world, to trust God, to live holy lives, to be bold witnesses of the gospel. But it's becoming like him in his death. It's the most powerful agent of sanctification for us. Becoming like him as he hung on a cross for his enemies. Living this kind of life will, will cause a, an ever-deepening awareness, knowledge of, enjoyment of Christ and the power of his resurrection. To live not for yourself, but to live to the Lord for others. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That by any means possible, that there is no cost too high to pay if the goal is to be united with Christ. No cost. There's a really dangerous prayer that uh, maybe you already pray, but if not, I'd like to teach you this morning. And it goes like this. Lord, please don't withhold anything from me that would make me more like Jesus. That's a dangerous prayer. But it's the heart of God for us. That we would count every comfort, every advantage as loss 
for the sake of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. If you're not a serious disciple of Christ, you're not willing to pray stuff like that. But I want to invite you to pray prayers like that. Because your flesh will regret it and hate you for it. But the Spirit of God will testify with your spirit that you belong to him. And that it's good to be broken for the sake of being made like Jesus. It's a good thing. And in eternity, you will not regret it. So I want to invite you to pray like that and to live like this for the sake of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. To make what his own? This pure faith in a pure gospel. Not relying at all on himself, on his natural advantages, his position, his privileges, his ethnicity, his own obedience, the the admiration of others. To not rely at all on those things, but to stand completely on Christ and to offer himself as a living sacrifice poured out for the glory of God and for the sake of others. Not that I've already obtained all this, he says. Not that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? How? How can he do it? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You see, he just keeps going in circles, gospel, gospel, gospel. What's the goal? The gospel. How can it happen? The gospel. Well, what's, what am I get out of it? The gospel. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. In other words, the work is not complete yet. But one thing I do, one focus in Paul's life, one daily tradition he wants to keep to, is that he's always forgetting the natural advantages that lie behind and straining forward to the gospel that lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I I want to encourage you, as he does here, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. I'm hoping that this morning we have a moment together where if any one of us considers anything a more worthy goal than Christ, if any one of us thinks that we can rely on ourselves and not on Christ for anything, if any one of us thinks in any small, dark place of our hearts that we try to hide from others, that Christ is not worth it, to know him in the power of his resurrection is not a goal worth dying for, 
that this morning God would reveal to you otherwise. That you would be convinced as of today that to pour yourself out for the one goal of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection is the most worthy goal that any human being can ever seek to attain. He is all. He's everything. He's all worthy of all of life. If in anything you think otherwise, may God have mercy on you. May God rescue you, even now. In fact, let's just stop and ask him for it. Holy Spirit of God, will you even now, in this moment, dash all natural hopes? Would you please convince every one of us in every way that to trust in anything but you is loss, that to pursue any goal but you is loss, that you are utterly, absolutely worthy of all of life? Convince us, please, Holy Spirit, not just in our minds, not just logically, in our hearts, in our spirits, Lord. Convince our souls that you're worthy. Lord, help us to, to genuinely, sincerely seek to become like Jesus in his death to share in his sufferings for the one goal of knowing him more closely. Would you work in us to consider Jesus worthy, worthy, not most of the time, not in certain circumstances, but in every second to know that he's worthy and to live like he's worthy. Please do it in us, Lord. The last verse for us this morning. Verse 16. He sums it up like this. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What did he believe that he and the Philippians had attained to? It was knowledge of Christ. Knowledge of the gospel. Knowledge of the love and the mercy and the grace of God. And a call to live life in accordance with this gospel. 
This is what they had attained together. Paul brought it to them. They believed. They lived alongside each other for a time. And now he says, let us hold true to what we have attained. I want to just, uh, as a way of kind of bringing my time here with you in the word to a close, I want to bring an idea to you, a conviction that I have about myself and about us as a whole. I know a lot of people who are an exception to this. I wouldn't consider myself one. But on the whole, I think uh, our most glaring deficiency and immaturity as Christian people in this part of the world is that we do not hold true to what we have attained. What I mean by holding true, what, what the scriptures mean by holding true is to live as if it's true. To continue in belief and that that belief would be something sincere that actually comes out of the heart as an overflow of the heart into life. And that our most glaring deficiency and immaturity is that we very often don't hold true to what we have attained. The knowledge of the gospel. Belief in Christ. Belief in his worthiness, in his glory, in his majesty, in his sufficiency. That he is all in all. That we, that we very often fail to hold true to what we have attained. And I, I believe that in this moment here, while we're all together in this room, and, and as some watch and as some sit right outside and, and we're all together by God's grace, that here in this moment together, there is a call. There is a call to hold true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what it is. I know what it is. And the call is to hold true to it. To not seek something new or something different or something more fulfilling or something more comfortable, but to see what it is to follow Christ, to believe him, to wholeheartedly submit ourselves to him, to see what God says about it, and to every single day say yes, yes, at any cost, yes. Because if our answer is yes, the prize is Jesus himself. And we won't regret it.